0: Here's a Japanese sandman Sneaking on with a Just an old second-hand man will buy your
1: old days from you He will take every sorrow
2: We are the good friends of Jackson Elias, um, a occasional podcast about Lovecraft, horror movies, and horror gaming in general. Okay, so tonight we are going to be talking about creating character backstories. Uh, they, this will involve a
0: lot of noisy rustling of things Yeah,
2: well, I've, I've got whole five sheets of A4 here. Um, shall, um, we, shall, shall we introduce ourselves, Paul? Okay, I'm Paul Fricker. I'm Scott Dorwood And I'm Max Anderson. Is that enough introduction? <laughs> yeah. Okay. If you want to know more, listen to episode one. So, about us, that is. So, creating a backstory for your character. So, the default kind of Call of Cthulhu um, character generation, one rolls up set stats, shares out points among skills... Chooses a profession. Yeah. Picks a shotgun. But
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you work out how much money you've got. You go shopping. Yeah. Uh, and then you run into unspeakable horrors and get yourself eaten.
1: Okay. Um, <laughs> you make it <laughs> sound so uh, easy, don't
2: you? <laughs> along the way, things kind of get added to your character, that kind of build character, don't they? Hopefully. Mm. Um, no, and, not if you're very careful, But yeah. well, <laughs> but, but sometimes it's unavoidable. And some people like to embellish their character with a with a with background and say, you know, I've got some
1: um a name for one thing. That's the hardest thing I find to put on them.
2: Oh. Uh, I think this is why I carry.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll pimp my favourite role playing product. That's not actually a role playing product. Uh, the the oh, writer, your manual. <laughs> yeah, the Writer's Digest. Uh, What's it called? The the character character naming source book. book. I I, I, I tend to call it, and we may have to bleep this, the ****-off book of names. (laughs) Uh, um, But uh, but yes, yeah, the character naming source book is what it's called. That is very good. It it, it is. I mean, it's got um, surnames and uh, given names for broken down by nationality in it.
1: Uh, And also the
0: meaning thereof. Mm. Yes, yes, which, you know. I can help with thematic play sometimes mm-hmm. but it's generally less important than your being able to tell an Estonian name from a Greek
1: one yes um, any for, you? For, the, for those of you that don't have access to the French copy Behind the Name is another good website that has a similar, res- um, similar resource to go to look up the meaning and etymology of first names and surnames you can break that down by different nationalities by mythologies. It's, again, it's just a good online version of the same thing.
0: Yeah. Well, well the, the other thing you can do, which, is, you know, if like I used to do, you work for a big multinational corporation, is go through the address lists of, of people in different countries and pick out names there that look interesting.
1: Why not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> more than one time, a work colleague of mine I didn't like suddenly, mis- as an NPC, suddenly met a gruesome end in a scenario.
2: <laughs> sometimes something I sometimes do is just grab names from um, kids that I was at school with. Yeah. Because nobody knows them in my gaming group. I'm not, you know, of them I went to school with. And uh, their they're names, they, they kind of stick in your memory. And you have a kind of a, a personality with yes. that name, which you immediately kind of link the two together in your head. And that allows you to kind of give a personality to that NPC.
0: Yes, very much
1: so. Yeah, the, the other technique I've used is um, at home I have a large wall, uh, floor-to-ceiling bookcases that I fill the best part of 2,000 paperback novels with. Um, I take the first name of one author on the spine and then look at the diametric opposite corner of the shelf and then go, right, so we'll have Stephen from that corner and we'll have...
2: J.R.R. King!
1: Yes! <laughs> 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 so it's pl- unfortunately there are lots of Stevens and lots of Kings out there. <laughs> Yes, yeah, you have to be careful,
0: though, so you don't end up with characters like Primo Mishima. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, that adds to the fun of it,
2: it? <laughs> that sounds fun. To me. <laughs> okay, so what we have in 7th edition are a set of random tables that allow you to create background. Now, that sounds a bit kind of like random monster generator. The idea is very much that you can use these tables as inspiration, not that you roll on it and you've got to follow it to the letter. It's just kind of a something to kick off of. So we're going to have a go this evening at using these tables to generate a character and see what comes out. We haven't scripted this. We're going to roll the dice. You're going to hear the dice rolled. And uh, we're going to just read it off the table no, and see what we get. No, this, is,
0: this is a professional way of that we you know, saying that we don't know what the hell we're doing.
2: That is true. Yep. <laughs> so... Before we were to roll on on any of the charts, the first thing we would have done is roll up our character, um, choose a profession, um, and probably know what period we're in and what kind of scenario we're going into. Mm -hmm. Um, So if I say that uh, the scenario is such that you're in New York, it's the 1920s, um, and the premise of the scenario... You're, you're a bunch of um, fairly well-to-do people and you're, I'm going to tell you, it's going to kick off that you're going to know somebody has been murdered. You're describing a
1: particular campaign, aren't you? No, well, where just you get
2: a name from? <laughs> let's, just, let's just start with that. It doesn't really matter, does it? But we've got something in mind now. We've got something that you can kind of fit into. Mm. So tribal fisherman, not so much. Um, so... What kind of character should we go for? <laughs> I'll go for a book collector
1: uh, stroke dilettante.
2: Okay, that's what we should... Well, we're only going to create one character between the three of us. Yeah. Uh, so let's 100. take it that we rolled up some stats, we've generated our skills, and this is the um, this is one of the next things we're doing. So, first thing we come to is ideology and beliefs.
0: Now, it might be worth... Saying that, you, know, you you can just select these. They don't have to be rolled randomly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here goes fate.
2: A four. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to put that ball over there. So a four gives us a belief in fate. In brackets, karma, the class system, superstition, etc. Hmm
1: see the first thing that leaps my mind with that is um, you could in, you can interpret that as a character quirk something I mean, it riffs off um somewhat popular popular fiction, but used um harvey uh, what was his name from Dark Knight um harvey Dent's um flicking the coin um like two faces um, way of deciding key questions by fate alone and that leave things right. leave things to chance so make rather than just Inhabit as a belief, actually make it a character quirk.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if you want to take that in a slightly different direction, you know, there, there's a, a similar character. There was a, a novel published back in the 1970s uh, called The Dice Man. Um, uh, right? now. Yeah, that's a, that's the one, uh, which is basically about a man who decides that he is going to live his life randomly. Um, he he for every possibility that comes up in his life, he's going to uh, you know create a table with six possible outcomes roll. A die, uh, and then do whatever the die tells them to do. It is. So it is much the sequel. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's not talk in the sequel.
2: (laughs) Or maybe the the the, what's the what's it called the eight ball thing where you magic 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 ball, ball. magic eight ball. I don't know where they came about. Maybe a die, a coin, an eight ball, (laughs) something like that.
0: What we have, yeah, some some kind of randomiser. Well, if you want to go for a classic, how about the I Ching? Yes,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sh- okay.
0: Sh- Shades of Man in the High Castle there.
2: Yeah, it's a bit kind of academic, kind of he's a book collector, he's an intellectual, mm-hmm. dealing in Oriental books, yeah. teaching. Yeah, that's yeah. the yeah. government. Connections made
1: already. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that this has already fleshed out other aspects of the character as well, like what his specialisation is.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Move on to part two. Significant people. Do you want to give us a roll there, Matt? Yep.
1: And number two. <laughs> oh my God! He says dropping the <laughs> dice. Oh. <laughs> However, if that would be that would be a classic instance of can I keep the result? It was a ten. Honest, it fell on the floor, but it was still a ten. Okay, what's <laughs> the ten? Um. <laughs> Your, uh, oh no, no. This reading table. Yeah, dear reader, it should, also, um, listener, it should also be pointed out that dice hate me in most respects, not only with uh, what they give me when I roll them, but also when I roll them and they go everywhere other than where I intend them to. <laughs> okay, well, number
2: 10 is a non-player character in the game. Ask the keeper to pick one
0: for you. So, uh, so could, could he be a good friend of Jackson Elias?
2: <laughs> that, that
1: would fit into the particular <laughs>
2: campaign I was thinking of. Um, but... Um, Let me think. No, I think you have had dealings with a shopkeeper, was it in Queens or... Bronx or somewhere. Uh, uh, one that um, Brooklyn. Yeah. Brooklyn. Okay, mm-hmm. so he's had dealings with a shopkeeper in Brooklyn. No, no, uh, it
1: was ha- Harlem. Actually, was the. Okay, we're in? narrowing
2: it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to somewhere in New York City. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: we yeah. know all these places,
0: back of our. He's probably worth just for the the people who haven't picked up on this mentioning that we are referring to masks in the Isle of the ten.
1: Hmm. Um, so so much for a, a, a caption contest you could have uh, put up there as to say, can you the campaign we are referring to? <laughs> Um. But uh, yes, yeah, it's it's
2: it's 30 years since our last reading, so I, I have no memory of it. So if if I had the book to hand, I could look up the name of that, that bookkeeper, and um, there's there's of shopkeeper, and there's uh there's a second table that goes with significant people. So so it might be parent, it might be sibling, and this one's an NPC. There's a second table, so give us a second roll map. Hopefully, it'll stay in the bowl this time just three okay okay this one is going to be tricky to fit in possibly but i'm going to throw it at you this is how they relate to you and why they're important to you and what i've got is three they give your life meaning how and the examples are you aspire to be like them you seek to be with them you seek to make them
1: happy maybe they've got something that you want that you've been trying to get for a long time perhaps Maybe they, um, if it was a seller that he's refusing to sell something to you. This sounds a bit more deep than that. Mm. Yeah, I mean that's that's very much a business
0: transaction. Yeah, maybe a very important one. Oh, it's we, we've sort of hinted that there's there's a, a sort of spiritual aspect to this character, um, yeah, perhaps yeah, you know, with the I Ching uh, there that he's interested in Chinese philosophy or religion.
2: Well, uh, the I Ching have shown him that this guy is important.
0: Yep. Yeah, oh,
2: yeah. I like that. Yes. Yes. He doesn't know why this guy is important.
0: Yes. Yes, and the reason will become revealed.
2: Of course, in the scenario, it is of some importance.
0: Yeah, but but you know, when something like this comes up, then you know you, you as a keeper will want to change things a bit so to
2: make it yeah. more interesting. And so and suddenly this character can develop a whole new dimension to him. It will because that character I think is a is a fairly negative contact in the, in the game. But actually, at the moment, as a as a player, you don't know this this bookkeeper this shopkeeper I just thrown to you if he's, he could be a, a powerful ally mm. or not. You don't know. So okay. <laughs> Alright, so we move on to meaningful locations.
1: And the dice says. One.
2: Your seat of
1: learning. For example, school, university, or apprenticeship. I well, think you know what my default reaction would be there. <laughs> it's a nice little university up in Arkham. Yes.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we. we we haven't worked out too much about where this character is from originally or uh, really much more about him apart from his profession his, his beliefs and this this friendship that he's got so I mean the seat of learning could be
1: somewhere from outside you know certainly in New York possibly actually have it in in, US have uh, it in the Far East link it in with the link it in with his I, I no uh, in the
0: yeah. yeah Shanghai would uh, oh okay yeah yeah would yeah. yeah. <laughs> fit um, I mean, there was a large expatriate community in Shanghai at the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I can't think of any institutes of higher learning from there at the time, but... but I'm sure uh, there are some. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the kind of thing that you can do with a bit of research, just find out, you know, what, what further education there was in Shanghai at the time. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, so just put that down. Cool.
1: That
2: was meaningful locations. Next we have treasured
1: possessions. And the dice says... One again.
2: Okay. An item connected with your highest skill. This could be an expensive suit, false ID, brass knuckles. So what might... So obviously we would look at the, the, the character sheet and we'd just spot his highest skill. So we haven't rolled up the skills, so let's just decide he's a... It's kind of cool. what is the antiquarian book dealer mm-hmm. so what so is the school like?
0: Could, could be history could be uh, library use uh, um, could be bargain is bargain still in the game
2: or did you get uh, of it that? comes under persuade right.
1: All right so it could be persuade or um, well, again okay. it could be particularly if he's a collector of certain types of books for instance if he's got a large cult section it could be such knowledge as a cult yeah
2: well let's take a step then so which one is it's got this one. Right, let's say a cult a cult Okay, so his highest skill is occult, and it's an item connected with that. So, what would that
1: be? Again, linking with the other connections we've already made, make it his I Ching set.
0: No, I, I, I mean, this, this is a chance to add more detail and more colour to the character.
1: I just like um, connections and rounding everything off.
2: <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah. The, the, it could uh, be something yeah. that um, adds to the um, oriental feel of it.
1: Yeah. Mahjong per set, maybe?
0: Um. There's not, nothing really occult about that.
1: Uh, oh, yeah, fair point, actually. But,
0: yeah. yeah, I mean, if it's something that could potentially tie into the uh, the scenario later on, uh, about just something, you know, a, a strange jade carving of unknown provenance.
2: Yeah, why not? That lays a seed for the Keeper to put something in. Yeah. You as a player don't really know what it is, but you give in something to the Keeper to play with. Yeah, so
0: all we really know about it is that it unnerves people when they look at it. Nice. mm mm-hmm.
2: Next, we have traits. And the dice says two, slightly getting more incremental. We have good with animals, loves cats, grew up on a farm, good with horses, etc. Hmm. So he's got an affinity with animals of some sort.
0: Yeah, that's that's slightly more tricky. I mean, this is taking us very much outside the kinds of things we've already decided about this character. So we're we're looking for for some new facet here. Could be as simple as he's got a dog. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I mean from from everything we've seen about him I I I'm so far I'm not really seeing him as a dog person I I'm, I'm seeing him as someone perhaps slightly more reclusive
1: indoorsy um with a large white cat that he strokes occasionally.
0: Yeah, so a, a cat or perhaps even something more exotic, you know, a pet iguana or something like that that he uh, or or a finch in a bamboo cage that he keeps in the shop. Or koi
1: carp, expensive. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, I, the, the, the the reason I went to the finch in the bamboo cage is uh, I I don't know whether it's still the case, but you know when I was a kid in Hong Kong, um, it, it was very much the part of you know many people's morning rituals that they used to go out and uh, do tai chi in the mornings, and a lot of them would would take uh, birds out, usually finches, in bamboo cages and just hang them up on a tree or a lamppost and, and practice doing the tai chi underneath that. Mm. Sounds nice.
2: Yeah. All right. All right. Next. No, there is no next. There's no next. That's oh.
1: hey. So what have what we,
2: got? we got? Dice, you're not needed anymore. Do you want to oh. just sum those up for us, Matt?
1: Right. We've got Chosen Profession. We went with, say, so, Book Collector Stroke Dilettante. Um, he has a belief in fate, um, specifically I Ching. Um, he has a good... Friend as an NPC, um, the books that are in Harlem, Uh, how do they relate to him? They give his life meaning. Uh, Fate has told him, um, our character that is, that this person is important. Um, Seat of Learning, Shanghai, somewhere out in the Far East, so that would need to be determined by some research later. Um, an item linked to his high skill, um, being a cult, connected again with his um, book collection, we've decided that it was manifested by an unnerving statue, uh, potentially made of jade, and that he's good with animals, that he has a bird that he keeps in his bamboo cage.
0: So, the, I mean, this has given us quite a, an, an interesting, well-rounded character for very little work. Um, you know, e- even if, even if we hadn't had any inspiration, you know, mm. the, the, then, you know, this is a character that certainly I wouldn't have thought of playing, but, you know, he, he now interests me. And, and he, you know, there are a number of good, strong plot hooks there. So much yeah. so that, you know, if I were a keeper running a campaign, you know, in which this character and characters like him were present, then it would be very easy for me just to be able to improvise stuff around that and and take the campaign off in strange, unusual directions, and make it very personalised about these
2: characters. Yeah, I mean, he's hooked into the scenario in a couple of ways. There, one with the, the bookkeeper, yeah, which was um, kind of reciprocated from the scenario. Yeah. Um, but the other with the with the jade. Sculpture, and also he's got the I Ching. So he's gonna at some point he's probably gonna want to say, "I'm gonna go to my I Ching set and try and you know foresee the future." And the keeper can kind of give some vague, you know, um, hints as to uh, what might be coming, tips and things, or complete red herrings. Absolutely, Hmm. not that there aren't any of those in the scenario. (laughs) And the guy has been to Shanghai. Which which actually comes into play. In so system. he's maybe then going to go back to his character sheet and think, hey, Keeper, can I shift some points around so I can speak um, Mandarin or something? Yeah, I can't remember what dialect they speak in Shanghai, I think.
0: Um, yes, anyway. Again, that's, that's, a, that's another point for further research. <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah, <laughs> Well, it's Cantonese in the south and Mandarin in the north. Yeah, but I, th- I think in Shanghai it's something different. So it's neither of those two. Well,
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's one thing I'm going to have to research. Having been, um, given I'm writing a scenario set out with China at the minute, so good <laughs> reminder. Thank you. It's a big place. <laughs> it is lots of people. <laughs> um, now,
2: one more aspect: we have a key background connection. So you can choose one of those um, mm. one of those things as your kind of most important thing that gives your life meaning.
0: And the, the, this is the one that – is this the one that the Keeper starts out trying to corrupt as you go mad? and
2: No, this is um, – this is the one that is This is something that is to some degree protected from the Keeper. So if you chose your bird in the cage, say, I cannot say as Keeper, uh, you come home and your bird in the cage is squished. Um, I can squish it, but I need to allow you to have a roll. Hmm. So maybe there's a there's a um, some guy breaks in, in the middle of the night and, and makes to grab the cage, but um, you know you'd have a role to try and fight them off. Or. Yeah. So it is,
1: what would you choose for irony's sake? I'd say the bookseller. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, if I were playing this character, I'd. Right, um, yeah, I'd look at it from the point of view of which ones would I want the Keeper to be able to corrupt, because there are certain ones there that, as a player, I think it would be quite a lot of fun if the Keeper got to mess around with. Like, for example, the I Ching, that, you know, as, as the as the character goes mad, uh, the, the I Ching starts telling him to do more and more horrifying things. Um so so yeah, I'd definitely, uh, I definitely I'd approach it that way rather than thinking you know, what would what would I want to keep safe?
1: <laughs> um, what can you get the more bang for your
0: buck? Yeah. as it were yeah. Uh, but, but that
2: very much reflects the way that I like to play I mean, some. Some people so let's have, take it two ways. Yeah. The one that you would want to keep safe, Matt, and the one that you'd think get the most stories Scott.
0: I mean from that point of view, I probably would choose the bird because the bird you know as it gets corrupted or destroyed yeah you know, is less likely to have a profound impact
2: on the story so you choose the bird as your kind of key one yes. and the other thing about your key connection is it's the thing that um, there's a, there's a, a phase in the um, when you're rolling for um, skill improvement there's a phase where you can um, spend time with this thing to try and recoup some sanity so you know if you said it was um if you loved the the woods where you spent your childhood days you know playing and, and so on um you might decide to go back there and there's a chance you'd recover some sanity yes. a few sanity points and sort of get your head together um so the bird in the cage you know yeah yeah you'll you yeah, kind of yeah you're, 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 tell how you well, yeah. Well, after
0: a lot of uh, stress and horrors and so on, then yes, he does go out to, you know, some some peaceful grove somewhere, puts the bird up, and then spends a you know a few hours doing tai chi and.
1: It's the birdman uh, b- of Alcatraz.
2: <laughs> and the guy from um,
1: oh. Shawshank. With oh, the, the crow. Yes. There we go. We've got an investigator that's doomed to end up in prison, probably played by Burt Lancaster. <laughs> <laughs> What would you keep, Matt, out of those as, as if you wanted to protect one and play it that way? Protecting, I'd say the I Ching, but with a slight asterisk stroke proviso at the end of that in the sense that I can keep using it, but the more he obviously slides into madness, the more weird, um, the more crazy that it, um, inspiration that it gives him. Just mm. so that it does keep giving him something is That's my huge. definition of protection.
2: Yeah. Now, obviously, we spent quite a while going through all those, um there's something that you can roll on the tables and just write down the results straight off um and you might end up with a slightly kind of miscellaneous ill-matched set of sentences um and if you feel there's one that's really out of place you can just ignore it or you can pick one off the chart or whatever but sometimes it's nice having one that your first reaction is, well, that doesn't fit. But then you reconsider it maybe mm. and think, oh, for my the, the game I'm playing in um, Foreign Express, um, I rolled uh, that my character had got uh, children, and I thought, mm, that doesn't really fit. But then I figured, well, maybe actually he had his wife passed away and he's got a child that's been adopted and, and so on. And It didn't really come into the game, but I kind of felt my character was aware of it. Then, yeah.
0: he got, then he got killed. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah and this goes back to what we were saying last week about pre generated characters that sometimes it is nice to be taken outside your comfort zone mm. and to be given something that you know you wouldn't normally play. it gives you a challenge and takes you in unexpected
1: places. It, fl- it flexes the creative muscle. it might then create something later on down the line that you're quite more than happy with that again you may not have thought of previously.
0: Well alternatively if you're a control freak like me, you might just want to go through and pick out options from the, the tables. I, I, I I'm less of a fan of rolling randomly and, and yeah, you know, I, I I when I've created characters for this I've much preferred going through and, and picking the options and using them for inspiration. Oh oh, oh oh yes, I mean sometimes just rolling a die if, if nothing comes to mind. Yeah. You know, if nothing else, you know, when it comes up and you think not that, then you know what you don't want.
1: So either a loaded die or just keep rolling until you get the result you want. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah,
0: you know, it, it, yeah. With this, unlike say rolling for stats, it doesn't really give you any advantage to you know cheat that dice roll or uh, uh, to to deviate from it. You know, it, it it's not going to make any mechanical difference for your character. It's not going to give you a benefit or an advantage. So, you know it, it, if if you want to change the results
2: you roll, don't think of it as cheating. The way I picture it is kind of a springboard for your imagination. If you're told your character can just be anything you like. Yeah. Sometimes that's really difficult. So if you're if you roll on the table and you get this this and this, you know, you can you then you can sort of say, well I like that one and that one, but I don't like that one. Okay, and then you're off. You've kind of got something to, to get your teeth into then.
1: Yeah, having a defined canvas or a defined frame to work within is um definitely invitation I'm trying to remember what the, the adage is. Um well, something uh, is constraint being the material. Uh mm-hmm. not constraint Constraint mm-hmm.
0: being the fount of creativity or something. No, that's mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, <laughs> he
0: says our, words. It's, it's our words of
1: wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhat garbled words, but yes, no, yes. <laughs>
2: well, I think that brings us to the conclusion of this episode. I hope you've uh, enjoyed our um, explanation of the seventh edition creating a backstory. Um, we hope you enjoy using it. If you don't enjoy using it, then you know it's just something
1: that uh, is pretty optional. Yeah. Um yeah. don't feel it has to replace your normal methods of creating a character. And
0: yeah, you know, if you've got any strong opinions on this or you know any feedback or stories you want to share, um, t- take a look at blasphemous code, tomes.com, which is our website and uh, you have the option to put comments there on the post for the show notes so you know, share your opinions. Okay, well,
1: good night. Good night and good night.
0: you. Mm-hmm.